Hi there, this is Danny Klein Modisette welcoming you to the Afterbirth Podcast, where we feature real stories about raising kids that you're not going to read in a parenting magazine. Today, we're playing a story from the book by writer and producer Mike Sykowitz. It's called Boys Don't Cry, and it was recorded at the M Bar in Hollywood, California in 2008. Please welcome Mike Sykowitz. Hillary Swank cannot carry a romantic comedy. That's not my opinion. I happen to have found her quite charming in two of the best rom-coms of the decade, Million Dollar Baby, and of course, The Reaping. The preceding opinion was actually shared with me by one of Los Angeles's most highly regarded moils. Or for those of you who aren't in entertainment, Jewish men who perform ritual circumcisions. And even more oddly, this criticism of Ms. Swank was spoken by the Moyle at the precise moment he was giving my newborn son what my older son refers to as a, Jew- as a Jewish penis. Which incidentally is what I was once called by James Riley in third grade. I am, by trade, a comedy writer, and there's nothing in the universe that plays into a comedy writer's wheelhouse quite like a bris. In fact, (laughs) it's documented that the first comedy writer ever to hear about brisses died suddenly when his head exploded while attempting to make nine jokes at once. Truly, in terms of naturally occurring geysers of hacky comedy, the only things that even come close to brisses are sperm banks and those sitting donuts commonly used by hemorrhoid sufferers. But despite my fiduciary responsibility as a comedy writer, you'll not be hearing bris jokes tonight about, did you go for the emerald cut? Can we get 10% off? Do you have a girl's name picked out just in case? (laughs) I'm sorry, did I cut you off? (laughs) Remember, I work for tips. Or some bad pun involving bris, kit, and brisket that I wasn't quite able to pull together. And I'd hope not to hear any of these jokes at our second son's bris either. Because if there's one thing I can tell you about my wife, Bonnie, and me, when we pay someone to mutilate our baby's genitals, we don't want shtick. (laughs) Before I continue, I want to make something clear. I didn't come here tonight to harsh on our moil. In fact, we recommend him highly if you're in the market for someone to relieve your baby of his tiny turtleneck. But... As I will be lodging a complaint about one aspect of his approach, I think it's only fair to protect his identity by fictionalizing his name. So for the purposes of tonight, (laughs) I'm talking about well-known moil, Kevin Murphy. Now, for our older son's bris, we also went Murphy. (laughs) 
Bonnie had found that there are certain moils in Los Angeles, like Moskowitz, Bienenfeld, and Murphy, who are also doctors and as such are licensed to administer anesthesia. This appealed because if there's a second thing I can tell you about us, it's that when we pay someone to mutilate our baby's genitals, we'd prefer that it not hurt more than necessary. In fact, thinking back to our first date, I believe that our matching views on stick-free, pain-free circumcision may have been what lit the romantic spark between us to begin with. <laughs> our sons were born five years apart. You know, Jewish twins. <laughs> but even though all that time had passed, I remembered that the Briss Murphy performed was top drawer to borrow a phrase from the Princeton graduating class of 1926. <laughs> in, in addition to being relatively devoid of shtick, Murphy's manner was inclusive and spiritual, and he brought to the event a tone that fit perfectly with our style of Judaism, which can best be described as reformed but somewhat lapsed. We do try to attend services on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, but we will drive on Shabbos and off into a place where we can get bacon-wrapped scallops. <laughs> Although we do draw the line at dunking them in milk. But while we have our issues with the religion and some healthy skepticism about the bigger questions, it's important to us that our sons and their naughty parts be brought up Jewish. Now, despite how fondly I look back on our older boy's bris, our second son's was a different story. A story which took place this year on the 27th day of the Jewish, Jewish month Tevet. Although it was unseasonably warm, so it felt more like Adar or even Tishri. <laughs> Global warming. See... <laughs> what either hadn't presented itself five years earlier or had somehow escaped my memory was Murphy's fascination with the biz. For those of you who are bris uninitiated, and really I'm probably just talking to the valet parkers, <laughs> what generally happens is the moil says some prayers in Hebrew, performs the ritual circumcision, and then everyone eats bagels and locks, the mother pops two Xanax, making it an even baker's dozen for the day. <laughs> and the men eventually stop cringing and start making the time-honored brisk jokes I mentioned earlier, several of which actually appear in the Torah. <laughs> but what's different about a Murphy bris is that he basically does the work beforehand. He gives the baby an anesthetic, then performs the bulk of the procedure in private with only one or both of the parents present, in this case, just me. Now, a little circumcision background, or bristery, if you will. <laughs> As Murphy explains, the word bris literally means covenant. In ancient times, we made a covenant with God to raise our sons Jewish, and removing the baby's foreskin made it official. Why the custom didn't disappear when notary publics came along is a mystery to me. <laughs> but this is why it was a very solemn moment in the bedroom with just me, 
my eight-day-old son Reed and Moyle Murphy. And as he lifted his scalpel to my son's Lilliputian bass shrimp of a wiener, just as Moyles have done for thousands of years, Murphy turned to me and asked a question filled with reverence and introspection. So, how's the strike treating you? I guess it was a fair question. In L.A., this qualifies as small talk, the way someone might ask, how about this weather, if we lived in a city that actually had any? <laughs> so I told him briefly as I knew how that the strike was a bummer and that, unlike what my son was, that not unlike what my son was currently going through, I was hopeful it would be over soon with no lasting damage. What I didn't realize was that the man operating on my baby's schwanz was about to turn into Army Archard. So, do you think it's the right thing, he continued? Oh, yeah, I mean, we're not super religious, but we think it's important that his pee-pee look like his brothers and his daddies. <laughs> no, I mean the strike. Oh, um, well, I'm not that well-versed on all the issues, but I hope it's the right thing. Me too. I'll be honest with you, it's not great for business. <laughs> I was surprised to learn that Brissa's were actually a place where people were cutting back. Oh, come on, I get one. <laughs> so, what were you working on before the strike, Murphy asked. Now, one thing we sitcom writers strive for is to avoid what we call the just say it story. This is where all it takes for a story to completely unravel is for one person to say one thing. Usually it's something like, I'm not gay, or I'm gay, <laughs> or the phone number you found in my pocket was for the party planner who was helping me plan your surprise party. <laughs> and the one line I knew that would make this story unravel was, I'd rather not discuss work right now. But somehow, maybe because of the super gene I possess for politeness, I couldn't say it. Instead, I replied, I just finished a comedy for Fox called Unhitched. What was it about, he said, as he casually swabbed blood from my son's baby balls. Uh, four friends in their 30s who are newly out of long-term relationships. And then, I kid you not, from the moil, multi-camera or single? <laughs> single. More and more of those these days, huh? Look, I like the business of television writing. I like being arguably overpaid for trying to sneak dirty jokes past TV censors. I like an atmosphere so casual that when you actually wear sneakers instead of flip-flops, six people ask you if you have a job interview. <laughs> I like a work day that starts at the crack of 1040. And most of all, I like using my God-given strength and courage to save lives. But, <laughs> but I didn't enjoy talking about the business during the strike, and I certainly didn't want to talk about it then and there with the Moyle while he was operating. So, unhitched, huh? How many episodes did you do? Six. Man, those orders just keep getting smaller. I remember when people used to get 13 on air with huge penalties. Those days are gone, huh? It, it would seem that way. <laughs> then he said something encouraging. Now you'll notice some redness just beneath the head of the penis where the clamp was applied. Could it be? Had we finished talking shop? You know, I've had a sitcom idea for the longest time, he continued. 
I can tell it to you if you want. You'll love it. All right, fuck politeness. It was time to just say it. You know, I'm sorry, but I'd really rather not discuss. There's these two families. Lower East Side of Manhattan. One owns a deli, the other a dry cleaning business next door to the deli. Now, for years, it's been like the Hatfields and McCoys. Your dry cleaning chemicals leak into our kitchen. Well, all the clothes we clean smell like pickles. You get the idea. Sure, a lot of potential there. But here's the hook. The college-aged daughter of the deli family falls in love with the college-aged son of the dry cleaning family. Ah, kind of a Romeo and Juliet. Yes, but edgier. So I remember that the bandage falls off by itself. I asked, wondering if it should really be this hard to steer the conversation toward penile aftercare. <laughs> yes, the bandage comes off by itself, unless it seems to be soaked with feces, at which point you should remove it. Horrifying words, all of them. <laughs> but at this moment, they were music to my ears. So, your wife, she's a writer too, huh? And we're back in. <laughs> yes, yes she is. What's she been working on? Actually, a movie she wrote is coming out this summer. Ah, good for her. What genre? Romantic comedy. Who's in it? It stars Uma Thurman. I love Uma Thurman. So brilliant with the physical stuff. That she is. <laughs> now remember, he said, you always have to be ginger with the head of the penis. Words I try to live by anyway. <laughs> but I was only too happy to hear them instead of ones ripped from the pages of Variety. Interestingly, in terms of thinness and blood vessel concentration, he continued, the skin on the end of the penis most closely resembles that of the eyelid. Intrigued, I tested half this theory by touching my eyelids. <laughs> Further research would have to wait. The good news was, it sounded like we'd finally moved on. We hadn't. You know, my wife and I just saw this P.S. I Love You. Have you seen it? Not yet, no. Walk, don't run, know what I mean? You, uh... You didn't care for it. Oh, more like P.U. I love you. <laughs> Noted. Hillary Swank cannot carry a romantic comedy. Well, the fact that I'm here talking to you must mean that somehow the special Briss edition of Access Hollywood eventually ended. <laughs> the three of us went downstairs where a group of close friends and family were gathered and Murphy performed the remainder of the ceremony and just as he had been five years before, he was spiritual, warm, and welcoming, and I remembered why we used him again. Hours later, after all the guests had gone and the Jones on Third tuna fish was a distant memory, I held our scrawny but beautiful son in my arms and thought about the day, and even though he was sound asleep, I felt the need on this momentous occasion to try to impart some fatherly wisdom. I told him, look, it's not a perfect world you were just born into. Sometimes you get the best moil money can hire, and he chews your ear about showbiz for a half hour. Sometimes your son falls in love with the daughter of your nemesis, the deli owner. <laughs> and all you can do is sit back and watch the hilarity ensue. Sometimes you can win an Academy Award for an earnest boxing tearjerker, 
And yet you can't even hold your own opposite Gerard Butler and an insipid piece of fluff. But the important thing to remember is that from this day forward, no matter what imperfections life throws your way, you and I will always have matching junk. Okay, for more information about Afterbirth, the book, the live show, or to comment on the podcast, please go to www.afterbirthstories.com. Our next Afterbirth show will be at the M-Bar in Hollywood on Saturday, September 22nd, and it's going to be great. We have Marilyn Rice Cub and Cindy Shupak, Lori Kilmartin, Matt Price, and a few other surprises. You don't want to miss this one. The number to call for reservations is 323-856-0036. I hope to see you there. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 